On the new episode of The Larry Arn Show, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn sits down with theology professor Jordan Wales and computer science professor John Seifert for a roundtable discussion. Honor is very important. Also, the classics are clear. It's not the highest order good because it depends so much on the quality of the person who gives it. You know, the delight of a friend. I assert to everybody watching this, but they can tell for themselves, these are two very high-quality individuals. They live their life in a serious way. And so if they think something of one, one is pleased. If you take a being that knows more than they know and is quicker than they are, and it says what you've taught it to say, it's very corrupting of one if he thinks that's honor. Listen to this exclusive roundtable right now. Only available on The Larry Arn Show. Find it on the Hillsdale College Podcast Network at podcast.hillsdale.edu or wherever you get your audio. And subscribe to receive new episodes delivered right to your device. That's podcast.hillsdale.edu. Welcome to Hillsdale College's Classical Education Podcast, bringing you insight into classical education and its unique emphasis on human virtue and moral character, responsible citizenship, content-rich curricula, and teacher-led classrooms. And now your host, Scott Bertram. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, we direct you to a short survey that will help us get to know our audience better and better serve you our listeners. It shouldn't take you more than 60 seconds. You can find it in the description for this podcast or head to our SoundCloud page. It's in our bio there, soundcloud.com slash Hillsdale Classical Ed, soundcloud.com slash Hillsdale Classical Ed, and find the link to take the short survey. We're joined by Dr. Jonathan Sanford, provost and professor of philosophy at the University of Dallas. Dr. Sanford, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Scott. I'm happy to be here. And we uh, have you on as part of our Leading Figures in Education series. And we'll talk today about Alistair McIntyre. As we begin, Dr. Sanford, tell our audience a little bit about Alistair McIntyre, who he is, and um, his background, and a little biography on him, please. Certainly. Uh, So Alistair McIntyre is uh, from Scotland, and he has spent much of his professional career in the United States. He's still alive. He's coming up on his 92nd birthday, uh, which will be in early January of this coming year. And he has had a prolific career as a moral philosopher, um, publishing his first work in the early 1950s. And um, by his own description in an interview, he thinks of his career as falling into three different categories. Um, the first a kind of response to um, the the post-World War II moral situation within um, the uh, British Empire and beyond. And and then the the um, uh, reaction against that, he, he spent some time as a Marxist and then recoiled strongly against some of the elements of his Marxist beliefs, spent some time wandering about, and then finally found his way to uh, Aristotle, and um, his most significant body of work begins in the late 1970s and continues to this day where he has reflected upon the virtues and their role in education, their role in culture. 
we are most concerned with his views, his teaching on the state of education during our time here together. How would you describe the state of the educational world around McIntyre when he was writing, thinking about the subject? You know, I, I think um, the way I at least think of that period of time in the 1950s is it, it was a period of, of some disarray in education. Right? The world was trying to make sense of itself after um, the, the fallout of the Second World War. There were mighty ideological undercurrents at play. I mentioned um, his early attraction to Marxism um, as being one of them, but there, there was um, um, a kind of up-for-grabs mentality when it, when it came to fundamental principles by means of which one ought to orient his or her life. And that played out on um, the stage of the academy as well. Are there any particular names or any particular movements or philosophies that, m- that meaningfully influenced McIntyre in his thinking? Certainly many. So um, Collingwood um, is, is one such figure. He's had a long career, and um, as one thinks about the expanse of that career, the, the influences became more and more uh, determinate with what we might call the, the tradition, what he calls the tradition. So part of his contribution was beginning to think in terms of tradition as a way to push against what he characterizes on the one hand as a um, encyclopedic mentality with respect to education, and on the other hand, a genealogy, a genealogical approach to education, to knowledge. Um, so Nietzsche would be the, the major figure of the, um, the latter, the genealogical approach, and um, uh, a whole host of figures connected to the, uh, the movement that is represented, for instance, in Encyclopedia Britannica, connected to the encyclopedic, this idea that, that education grows in a kind of stepwise fashion and can be comprehensive. What McIntyre brings to the fore, and he's deeply informed by Aristotle, by Aquinas, by Augustine, and later by uh, uh, Newman, and other figures in the broadly conceived neo-Aristotelian tradition is a way to understand the human being's place within the world that is, um, on the one hand, able to, to wrestle with the kind of conflicts that are part and parcel to our understanding of tradition. By those conflicts, I mean things like, if you think of, of the Western heritage, Homer is quite different, as we know, from Plato. And there's a, a rival that Plato himself identifies between the, the poetic imagination represented in the Homeric universe versus commitment to philosophical principles and the platonic understanding of philosophy as a preparation for, um, for, for death, in fact, right? So it's a philosophy as a way of living well. McIntyre is animated by this view of philosophy as a, um, uh, not just a way to, to wrestle with, with complex questions and problems, but a way of living out a commitment to a life in pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. So he, he identifies the tradition as stretching from Homer and even before, on the one hand, through um, the other current 
um, of the Judeo-Christian tradition, the way those two come together, Athens and Jerusalem, and progress through time and identifies certain fundamental principles that enable us to think of this tradition as a unified whole, even though it's a tradition that bears within itself many moments of conflict. In fact, those moments of conflict of one ideal versus another, an initial conflict between Athens and Jerusalem that becomes synthesized within the Christian intellectual tradition, um, that in fact is a, a sign of our tradition's vitality. Talking with Dr. Jonathan Sanford, Provost and Professor of Philosophy at the University of Dallas about Alistair McIntyre as part of our Leading Figures in Education series. Did McIntyre, does McIntyre give specific ideas with which we might want to reform education? Yes, many. So um, in, in one sense, um, I, I would actually count McIntyre as one of the foremost thinkers with respect to education. So he certainly orients the um, the reader and other audiences, he's given many addresses, to a recovery of a, a, a fundamental wrestling with the central texts of our tradition. Um, he, he doesn't altogether embrace the, the great books approach that's represented in um, uh, that line running from Mortimer Adler through um, other thinkers to our current day, but but certainly there is a recognition of the significance of those central texts of our tradition. So that's, that's one thing. But speaking um, more specifically, he has one text called God, Philosophy, and Universities, a Selective History of the Catholic Philosophical Tradition, um, that you might think of as a, a particular um, uh, manifestation of Newman's notion of education being dedicated to providing a unity of knowledge, right, where God is recognized as both the source and summit of one's education, and that common source of all that we might come to know is, in fact, also the reason by which we can make sense of one discipline and the particular objects within one discipline in relation to all the others. Another important idea, and here I'll be drawing from uh, the arc of works that stretch from After Virtue in the late 1970s. The mm-hmm. first edition came out, and then a second, and, and a third more recently, through Whose Justice, Which Rationality, um, the very important three rival versions of moral inquiry, dependent rational animals, and then most recently is 2016 contribution, Ethics in the Conflict of modernity. So here, here are the, the central points that he identifies. First, he, he, he recognizes that we have a fundamental problem with respect to making sense of our lives. And this is a, a problem that is broader than just education, but insofar as education is um, representative of the way that one wrestles with not just the the current circumstances of the world, but how to make sense of the world in light of its history and in light of the the endeavors that human beings have or ought to have. So he he recognizes that our our moral language is fundamentally fragmented, that we've lost the basic meanings 
of key terms. For instance, justice means very different things to very um, to, to different people depending upon their fundamental commitments. You've got on the one hand a a, a view of justice as being entirely rights based um, and a recognition of one's entitlements. You've got another view of justice as drawing upon an understanding of the promotion of another's good that is rooted in Aristotle's account of justice in the fifth book of the Nicomachean Ethics, and they're in fundamental conflict. So he spends a lot of time in After Virtue and in his other works, but especially After Virtue, first identifying what the fundamental problem is and how it affects the way we think about our life of learning. Second, he, he um, makes a, uh, a recovery of an idea that might be very familiar to many of your audience, but within um, popular educational theory, within the, the um, popular culture in general, the idea that the human being has a particular way in which he or she can flourish is often regarded as a, um, an out-of-bounds claim because it brings with it a robust conception of the good, a robust conception of what it means to live well, and central to the way that many um, in our culture today think about their lives is a view of the human being as able to make sense of, of reality however um, he or she wishes to, that we have a kind of fundamental entitlement to create our own meaning, and that's been represented in law, um, it's been represented in educational theory, and it's been represented in other cultural currents. So McIntyre um, recognizes as a fundamental truth of what it means to be a human being that human beings are not brute facts, that in fact there is a, on the one hand, an understanding of what it means to be a person, what it means to be a human being, and that richer understanding of what it means to be a human being necessarily entails a reflection upon how one ought to live. So there's, there's man as he is, and there's man as he ought to be. Hmm. And that's the fundamental insight that uh, he pulls from the Aristotelian tradition. We often describe this as a teleological understanding of the human person. So he spent some time on anthropology, philosophical anthropology, um, within After Virtue. He especially does in Dependent Rational Animals, where he brings in some particularly biological considerations to make sense of the difference that being a human being makes vis-a-vis non-rational animals. That is to say, our ability to reflect upon the judgments that we make and the role of language in making sense of our lives. Talking with Dr. Jonathan Sanford about Alistair McIntyre here on the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. Dr. Sanford, why is that point so important? This teleological understanding of the human person, I think, is absolutely essential to genuine education because as educators, we are striving to guide our students to the men and women that they are called to be. We put before them ideals that they can live up into as opposed to telling them that they're to live out their lives as creatures dedicated to their own devices, making sense of, of their lives any which way they will. He, um, an additional principle, he recovers a notion of the virtues in 
the other side of of after virtue. Um, that is to say, on the one hand, you can think of the title after virtue as a recognition of the way in which our culture is a post virtue culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't make sense of the virtues anymore. And on the other hand, he's in pursuit. He's after virtue, and and he spends a good deal of time within um, the latter half of after virtue. And then again, in his later works, cultivating a rich understanding of the virtues as practices that enable us to move from the human beings we are to the human beings that we are called to be. Finally, I've already mentioned the notion of tradition. It's, it, it emerges in, in his uh, uh, development as an expression of a way to think about not just the virtues on the one hand, but what he calls a narrative unity of life. He argues that we can't make sense of anything in our lives or our lives themselves except by means of a kind of narrative account where we see our own life situated historically as being part of a, of a long tradition, a tradition of conflict, as I said before. Um, we, we are each sons or daughters of these particular parents. We've been educated at these schools. We have to tell our stories to explain ourselves to others, but we also have to tell our stories in order to explain ourselves to ourselves well. And one way to think of education, as McIntyre understands it, is that it's learning to tell your story well, and that entails engagement with fundamental disciplines that shape our mind, that discipline our minds. Um, It entails uh, cultivating not just the intellectual virtues that one needs in order to learn, but the moral virtues that are the supports for the intellectual development that we hope to make and we hope to see in our students, and making sense of our um, our future as a matter of bringing forward our story, so to speak, in its next chapters. It's it's not as though we we find ourselves blank slates and get to write our own story. Hmm. We are each participants in a much larger story, and if we are to live lives well, we need to make sense of our stories. And you can see here the role of tradition. We need to rest upon the tradition in order to do that. We need to rest upon our our teachers as well. So Aquinas uh, gives a lot of attention to a a virtue called studiosity, which is a, a kind of attentiveness to one's studies. But there's, there's another virtue that, that sounds foreign to our ears because of uh, some negative connotations, but docility, having a, a teachable spirit. Docility means being able to be attentive to your teachers, being um, docile, not in the sense of ready to be manipulated, but docile in the sense of, of ready to receive from another. And our teachers are not just those men and women in our classrooms, or our parents, who are our first teachers. Our teachers are also the major figures of our tradition. And and there's a, a, a cultivation of a docility towards the tradition that's required, but that, um, if we're thinking of uh, docility in the sense of just laying before figures, that would certainly not be the right idea. We need to wrestle with, we need to 
We need to engage the the conflicts of our tradition by by asking the questions that are raised through the major uh, figures that emerge from that tradition, putting those questions to those thinkers, putting those questions to other thinkers, and putting those questions to ourselves. Talking with Dr. Jonathan Sanford about Alistair McIntyre. Uh, briefly, if you could summarize what uh, McIntyre believes is the purpose of education. The purpose of education is the cultivation of, of wisdom. And he recognizes that um, truth is a first principle of education. Um, another way to describe the purpose of education is um, cultivating wisdom is a matter of learning how to tell your story well within the context of the human story. Now, McIntyre had a, a couple of, of children. Um, h- how did he raise them? How did he teach his own, his own children? Um, what was his home life like? I, I have spent some time with Alistair McIntyre. Um, when, I, when I first taught a course on his thought, I invited him to uh, participate in one of the seminars, and he graciously agreed. And, and he spent some time with my own children hmm. and made a number of observations about... Um, um, ways that we were trying to, to raise them. So we did have a conversation on child rearing, hmm. and um, he he uh, he suggested that that it's important for for children to exercise a certain a certain uh, sense of, of wonder. Right? You want them to cultivate a sense of wonder about nature. You want them to be engaged in hands-on experience. You, you certainly, um, you know, we had spent a whole lot of time talking about the cultivation of of virtue, but I, I made a few points about our approach, which he agreed with, one of which was was um, rather than in striving to, to mold the will of the child through um, um, a, a kind of force, um, we, we strive, my wife and I, to put before our children the, the, the goods that they ought to pursue. Oftentimes we, we have to, when they're young especially, uh, offer uh, external rewards and um, uh, until they, they learn to recognize the goodness of those, those um, activities themselves. Right? And, and then there's, there's a lot of repetition. Where do you think that we see uh, McIntyre's ideas most at play in American education today? Certainly within the classical education movement. Um, this, is, this is one of the, the bright spots. Um, and um, the, the uh, explicit effort to um, cultivate character in pursuit of the truth, the, the um, um, unity of the intellectual and the moral virtues. And um, if, um, if one um, is engaged in, in a faith-based institution, the embrace of the, the explicitly um, uh, religious character of one's education is, he argues, absolutely central. So you, you certainly see that in God philosophy in universities. So I know that he he was much encouraged by uh, some of the the, the growth in um, uh, the classical ed movement. It's been maybe twelve years since we spent this time together, but I did share with him my own my own education. I, I'm the product of of one of the early classical education schools, Trinity School at Greenlawn in, in South Bend. Indiana, and um, uh, which which has been connected uh, its curriculum to um, some of the the um, um, 
Sugar and, and other private um, classical education movements. So I, I think there you, you find you find one of the, the richest um, um, developments that coincide with many of the fundamental principles of McIntyre's approach to education. Dr. Jonathan Sanford, Provost and Professor of Philosophy at the University of Dallas, talking about Alistair McIntyre as part of our Leading Figures in Education series. Dr. Sanford, thank you so much for joining us here on the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. I'm Scott Bertram. We direct you again to our short survey. You can find a link in the description of this podcast or over at our SoundCloud page in the bio, soundcloud.com slash Hillsdale Classical Ed. It's a short survey. It shouldn't take you more than 60 seconds. It'll help us get to know our audience better and better serve you through the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. We also invite you to like us on Facebook. Search for Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education and follow us on Instagram at Hillsdale underscore K-12. Hillsdale underscore K-12 on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Hillsdale College Classical Education Podcast. Mm-hmm.